You are tuned to Farm Talk with Phil Blevins right here on WEHC and WISE FM Wise. And today talking about pesticides and their uses and benefits and also how we need to be aware of the powers of them. And Phil, I got a question for you. You know, folks say, we, or we all know, that the, the ecology around us is a really delicate thing and we got to balance and we also want the, the nicest maters and plants coming out of our garden. So when you kill these bugs and pests, are you doing something bad to what's making things grow in a, in a healthy way? Okay, that's a really good question, and that's probably one of the things that the public seems to be most concerned about, that probably second to uh, human health. And so if we go back to something I said earlier in the program, and that's how these products are tested, you know, there's not some grand conspiracy in the world to produce things that would destroy the environment or to poison the people. Because if we think about that intuitively, uh, that's counterproductive. I mean, why would I produce something that ultimately diminishes my market? And so... Uh, to me, that's the, that's the overriding principle in the thing. But now let's get down to the question, are we, are we harming the ecology? If we follow the label, if we do what the label says with these products, they are designed to work within the environment uh, to be able to control the pest without causing excess damage to the environment. And so, for example, if we're controlling... Uh, cucumber beetles I mentioned earlier in in our cucumbers in the garden or in our squash in the garden. So what's the potential damage that could be done to something around? Well, first of all, we have pollinators that are coming into the garden, honeybees, for example, or squash bees, and they're pollinating our squash. So can we kill those honeybees by making a pesticide application? Well, we're putting an insecticide out. So, yes, we could if we don't do what the label says. Now, if we follow the label, the label is going to say that we should apply those things, for example, in the late evening when pollinators are not active. And so if we understand what we're growing, which is a squash, and the squash only blooms once, and that bloom closes about midday or a little bit thereafter, that bloom will never open again. And so we apply our insecticides in the late evening when the pollinators aren't working and that bloom's closed forever, uh, then we're not going to have a huge impact on pollinators as they come into the garden. Now, if we're just indiscriminate about it and we go out in the morning because that's when we have the opportunity to do it and we go out and spray while those blooms are open, then yes, we're going to impact things around it. And so there's been a great effort by the producers of these products to help people understand that. For example, Bayer has put a tremendous amount of effort into protecting pollinators and even are doing work to protect pollinators because we understand how uh, serious that is. And so also a great amount of work gone into producing products that are not harmful to beneficials, for example, ladybugs. Uh, that are eating aphids on plants. And so there can be collateral damage, uh, but we can avoid that. <clears throat> There's a plant, a tree in this part of Virginia called the Virginia roundleaf birch that uh, uh, is a protected plant. 
It's an endangered plant, I guess you would say. And so the label would tell you that, uh, for example, that you should follow these measures if there's an endangered species in your area. And so you go out on, you're, you're required to check with EPA, are there any endangered plants that this would affect in my area? And it will tell you then what to do to avoid damage in that plant or fish or whatever it might be that's in the area. But that's a really good question. Unfortunately, who do we see on the news? We see somebody that don't follow the label that went out and killed something they weren't supposed to kill, but that's not the majority of people. So I hope that helps answer that, Ivy. Yeah, that's that's extremely helpful. And I think also what you started the show off with, with the quote about anything is a poison if if not used in the right way or used too much. And, right. I mean, that kind of informs our whole life. And um, the other question was, I know that we've got a big um, uh, hatching of cicadas coming up. Okay, yeah. So that's, uh, uh, there is, you know, we got the broods. If you're not familiar with the cicada, the, there's uh, two, di- there are different broods of cicadas around the country. And they hatch, you know, different regions have a hatch of cicadas depending on the year. And when they come in, uh they they do do some damage, and they can really damage a landscape tree. Now, in the forest, you're going to see damage. You'll see where the females lay eggs in the tips of the branches, and you'll see those branches hanging down brown and dead. But there's not much we can do about that. I mean, they don't do significant damage in that situation usually. But now, in a landscape, they can. And so uh, you'd be watching for that this coming season when those things start to emerge. If, they, if, you, if you have, um, you know, a need to control them, they can be controlled. Uh, and I don't think you're going to damage the cicada population uh, to any extent by controlling them in your trees. But there are products that you can get that would control them if you happen to have a huge hatch on your property. And so... Uh, if you don't, if you, you'll begin to see the skeletons, exoskeletons on the trees where they've emerged. And if you have very many of them, you'll begin to hear them. I mean, they really can make a whistling racket. It's really irritating if you're in a heavy population of them. So be watching for that this coming season. Is, um, if, Someone is curious, maybe they just have a garden with regular kind of things. Is there any kind of products that you suggest that are are good all around things like seven dust or yeah, there's uh I don't know anything I would recommend that really would fix every problem. Probably one of the more general type products that we would use for insects would be permethrins uh Seven, which is a different class than uh, carbaryl is the chemical in it, but it's a different class than a permethrin. Uh, there's some things that just don't do well on. If you've got potato bugs, for example, in your garden, you just might as well dust them with flour as to put seven on them because they're resistant to it. It doesn't affect them. And that, and it, and that leads to a good point. You know, you need to use the appropriate product, and you need to use it correctly. There, in, in any population, there are most likely going to be resistant individuals in that population, whether it's diseases, insects, or weeds. There are going to be resistant individuals in that. And if we're not wise in our use of these products, we can select for resistance. And so, uh, you know, it's good to rotate if you can rotate classes of products when you're trying to control them. We do have information. You know, it brings up a good point, Ivy. 
We do have information there called pest management guides, and you can have access to those things online where you can go in and look at, look at what the potential products are that could be used for any problem you have. You know, one of the popular, now I'll say this about that because it's going to list any product most likely that's been labeled for control of that. That doesn't mean it's equally effective. Neem oil is one that's really got a lot of press, and it's not very effective on some things. So you need to be very careful about what you select. And that's one of the things that we're there for, is to try to figure out what might be the best option for whatever the problem is that you're facing. So that's a really good question, Ivy. So if you've got a pest that is eating up one of your plants and are curious about it, don't know how to identify it, you could snap a picture and email it to Phil at pblevins.com at vt.edu and I'm certain you'll do your best to get them the help they need and maybe make a recommendation about how to treat it. That's exactly right and you know we try to figure out things that are going to work the best not something uh, that uh, just is to get you off our back or anything like that. Uh, We want you to know what's best. Uh, One of the things to keep in mind you know pesticides are rated they're rated actually uh, there's an LD50 value given to them, and that's an indication of toxicity. And so, uh, you know, but you'd be surprised if you'd look at things, for example, like the chlorine that's used to chlorinate your water. That's considered, that has an LD50 value, and, and you know chlorine's fairly toxic. Uh, but how many of you want to drink water out of the middle fork that's not been chlorinated? So, you know, we use these things, and we understand how important they are. Salt. You know, Paracelsus said the poison's in the dose. I mean, we don't refuse salt, but we could sure kill ourselves with it if we ate too much of it. And so keep that in mind as you're thinking about these things. And, you know, you can have, you can look and see uh, what those LD50 values are. Those things are available. And, uh, you know, I guess the message, one of the messages that I want, main messages that I want to get out there today is, um, you can use pesticides and you can use them safely and uh, don't be afraid of it. I mean, we know, we know that we have to protect things. And the other message I also want to get is keep in mind, you know, synthetic pesticides have a toxicity value, but organic pesticides also have a toxicity value. Rote known, which is a product that was used for years, I'm not sure it's still on the approved organic list, uh, but it was used for years for organic production. And rotenone used to be actually used in ponds around the edges when you had too many bluegills in the pond. And they would use that to poison the fish to get rid of them. So, as I said, please, if you have questions, uh, reach out to me. I do pesticide training and safety training on a regular basis. And so I'm not the, uh, the end-all authority on pesticides, but I'm certainly willing uh, to help you in any way, and I'd encourage those that are using these products, you know, do it safely. Follow the label. The label's the law. That's one thing we always emphasize. The label's the law. If you follow the label, uh, you're going to protect yourself, and you're going to protect those around you, and so um, just keep that in mind as you go out this year. Don't be afraid of them. If you have a philosophical objection to them, then don't use them. Uh, but uh, for those of you that uh, are trying to produce these, the food that we eat, we appreciate your safe use of them. And I would emphasize that most people, 
the vast majority of users are very safe with these products. So I don't think it's uh, as the public that we have to walk around in fear of someone trying to poison us. So thank you for being with us today and look forward to being with you again next week. Thank you so much, Phil Blevins, Washington County Extension Agent, and uh, it's been called a modern-day foxfire, found a knowledge, and that was a really, really informative show. Once again, don't hesitate to reach out to Phil P. Blevins at vt.edu. You can also make suggestions, ask questions at the radio station. He'd be happy to address any topic that you are interested in. Give us a call at 276 944-6933. Tune in next Wednesday for another edition of Farm Talk right here on WEHC Emory and WISE FM Wise.